Welcome to The Teacher's Story. I'm Jackie Scully. This is a podcast to elevate teacher voice. In this program, you will hear teachers sharing their journey into this profession and their ideas for education. This is about honest, vulnerable, inspiring storytelling. It's a time and a space for teachers to share their ideas for the future of education. Teachers are beautiful beings who give their heart and soul to their community. They're innovators, they're inspirational, not only to children, but to the people around them. And they deserve to share their voice. So welcome to The Teacher's Story. Enjoy. Hi, welcome to The Teacher's Story. This is Jackie Scully, and we have Helene Beck with us, fellow podcaster. And I was also on her podcast, Coming From The Heart. It's an awesome one. Check it out. We'll plug more about that towards the end. And so we have Helene here to talk about her days in teaching, but also how she transitioned out and what she's doing now and how she views kind of education and, you know, her views of like maybe some of the people she's had on her podcast too. And we'll share that at the end there. So thank you so much for being on the show. Thank you, Jackie. You're awesome. Uh, I love talking to you a week ago. It's weird how our podcast sort of lapsed a little bit. I know it's so hard to connect with people in life and especially in general. And I know you're a teacher and you're busy and I'm busy. So thank you for having me on the podcast. It's actually not Ashley. It's an honor to be here. So thank you. So teaching interesting. Yes. Um, teaching has, I'm just, I'm pausing here cause I'm thinking has been part of my life forever since the time I was a little child. Um, my parents were educators. My dad was a school principal. Prior to that, he was a school teacher, fifth grade teacher. My mom was a teacher. She morphed into that later in her life. And I believe that it's it was sort of just part of who I was. I mean, I, I, I went to school for textile design, marketing, and business, but I used to always be the substitute teacher in my dad's school. I was the one that he would call me even when I was in between my semesters in college can you teach gym? And I would be like, sure, dad, I have to wake up at four o'clock in the morning and drive from Maryland or Washington, but I'll be there. And I was, and, um, it just was just a really, (laughs) really big part of my life. I lived in my mother's classroom. My mother was a kindergarten, then reading recovery teacher. She, um, she did a modality. It was Marie Clay's modality of teaching children who were pretty much illiterate to read. And mm-hmm. I, I always admired what my parents did. I, you know, like many kids, it was like, oh, I don't want to go into that world because mom and dad did that, dot, dot, dot. And then years later, after working in the fashion industry, I was in sales and merchandising and all over the country doing a lot of the stuff that I was doing, working for pretty large manufacturers out there in the men's world, um, my job kept getting downsized. And I was mm-hmm. like, okay. What am I going to do? So I was really excessively, exceptionally, there's the word, fortunate to go back on a grant to get my master's for teaching. Um, It was called Trade Readjustment Act. Mm. And back in the day, uh, I'll date myself here, it was during the Clinton administration, where if you were laid off in certain types of jobs, and let me explain, my job as a merchandiser is when I was receiving product really from all over the world and servicing that product into stores. For an example, like China, a lot of my product, I work for Chaps or Christian Dior in the men's world was, was not domestic. And what happened is because things changed, the market changed, things changed. 
um, my job kept getting downsized, downsized, downsized. So I, at that point, I, I think I had lost my job and I was like, okay, let me take on a new entity. So what I knew best was teaching from, you know, dealing, you know, not dealing, but having my parents as these incredible mentors, maybe I'll go into that world. And my mom's best friend who taught in an inner city school in Atlantic city, Medina, who I absolutely adore to this day, um, was an ESL teacher. And my mother and her were very good friends. And my mom was like, just come in, you know, observe, see what you think. Well, she was beyond this phenomenal human and forget mm. about as a teacher, I was like, yes, this is what I want to do. So I always had a flair for languages, not that you need to do that in ESL, mm. but the love of, of, of speaking, of, you know, speaking English well, or writing, I didn't know anything about any of this until clearly I went back for the master's program. So I went back for the master's program. It was actually right before, right around before I had my daughter. So it was like 97. And I went to Fairleigh Dickinson University in Teaneck, went through their two-year program, but let me get back to the Trade Readjustment Act. I was able through this particular act, this, this, this program they had to uh, re, you know, reboot my career, basically what mm. it was that I would be able to go um, cost, you know, not at any cost to me where I would be able to attend a university of my choice. So not only was I, did I have that, but I they included my books and everything else that wow. I was doing in that two year. Yeah. Imagine you're getting a free master's. I mean, That's yes, amazing. it was incredible. Um, I don't believe I would have done it, the going back to school and all yeah. of it. If I, it, if it hadn't been literally placed in my lap, I received this letter when I was sort of let go from one of my other divisions when I was working in the garment center in the textile world that described this program, you know, back in the day, computers were not what they were today. And it, it was like, okay, you need to write an essay describing basically why, why do you want to do this? Why do you want to go into education? And I pretty much <clears throat> said exactly what I'm telling you today, the why and the how, my passion for learning, my passion that I've always was in this world because of my parents. And it sort of was this, this DNA thing that I had this connection mm. to always want to educate. Even when I was a, in textiles and design, when I would go around to um, do product development, I was always teaching. There was always this mm. teaching component, this thread. And I really felt that I, um, I was missing the, I don't know how to say the excitement, but the connection of really giving this, this passion that I had for teaching to others. And it, well, I wasn't being fulfilled really in what I was doing in the, in that textile world. So there went the educational trajectory two years later. Um, plus I got my master's and I started off slow. I really was thinking at that time, um, going into the adult learning world because I had a young baby. I had a young baby. I had a young family, my daughter was just born. I didn't know if I could really do the full-time gig. So I started really doing adjunct and, you know, going into ESL really is accredited to my mom's friend Medina because she just explored this world with me that I just knew nothing of. It was just this whole other component of working with international friends and international mm -hmm. students. And when I very, when I started, it was like boot camp. When I first came out, when I was going through my apprenticeship and stuff, when I was at Fairly, I had classes of like 40 plus mm -hmm. leveled all over the hell place, all in one room, wanting to learn English. And I had great mentors at the time. And I learned, I really, really learned just well into the trenches of that. And from mm -hmm. that, I went on to teaching as an adjunct 
at Kane University, Felician College. Kane, I did a lot of continuing education. Then I taught in their undergrad program as well for ESL. And I sort of morphed and grew in this whole spectrum of adult learning and then mm. went on to, um, I keep talking here so you can stop me whenever you want. No, I, I love in, the passion. When I went into, so I really went from ESL adult, I mean, really, let me, let me, let me backpedal. It was continuing education. It was undergraduate adjunct working at Kane, Felician, et cetera, and some other schools along the way working at a Korean school, getting all this experience, then um, landing eventually into um, the elementary sector. But while I was doing that, I was also teaching at Stevens Institute of Technology as an adjunct. So I kind of always had my hand in like the adult world. Yeah. And then I thought, well, you know what? I want to explore education with kids. I never had done that except for substitute teaching with my parents and all that stuff. So I taught at Greenbrook Township Schools for four years, developed their curriculum and got tenure. And then Chris Christie cut the budget. Wow. Wow. <laughs> yeah, that yes. During the recession. That, yeah. Oh, gosh, what year was that, Jackie? I 2008. Something like that. Yeah. 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 And then I was like, oh yep. no, I have mm -hmm. my job. I'm getting paid half my salary. I was mm. still very connected to Stevens because I was doing adjunct work. I kind of never left that world because I love that world. So I would mm -hmm. teach my half day classes and then go teach grad school at night. So wow. I was kind of flexing between the two. But prior to that, I had the full-time ESL job. That's when I was initially yeah. hired. So yeah, it was a little crazy, but I, I stayed in that world and my kids were young and it was hard balancing and I did all that mm -hmm. stuff. And then later I went back to Stevens as a full-time assistant director. And that's kind of really where I landed about, uh, well, I've been out of that world now. It's almost four years um, doing that whole gig, working with international grads, assessing TOEFL, IELTS, administrative, the whole wow. bit, um, working and Skyping the world of uh, PhD master people coming into advanced programs. So you know, teaching and interviewing and all that stuff has been, it's funny that we're even talking about this today because I actually, I actually just uh, reached out to the superintendent of schools in Weehawken, hmm. shout out to them for a moment for um, just for, I'm not even sure what I want to be doing there, more of a consultant, more of an hmm. opportunity uh, in the mental health space, advocacy, and also yeah. bringing the teaching aspect to that world as well yeah so that's that's me you that's have all. been been around the block a few times that's i yeah so cool. i love when people share that teaching was their second career because there's always like a different kind of vibe like it the passion is so rich like when people go back to school and they choose teaching as their second career and they come into it like it's they have a new set of eyes because like I think there are people going to like corporate world and other spaces and they could be making really good money you know until there's downsizing and whatnot and then there's like but there's something that's not pulling at my heartstrings or I feel like I have a deeper purpose and then people might go into education and they feel it they feel the purpose they feel the connection I mean it is a human profession that's kind of what's kept me in it for so long is that on a daily basis, you're connecting 
with kids, with other adults on such a personal level. It doesn't even matter what subject you're teaching. Like you are mentoring people. And I've never worked with adults, but I've always been fascinated by it because um, I think just being able to like be part of someone's life at a very pivotal moment, especially helping them learn English and become successful and gain their degree and all of that. And I've done some ESL work in uh, China. I taught in a summer camp and then I had a lot of students in Hawaii. Um, I wasn't an ESL teacher there, but I worked very closely with the ESL teacher in my classroom. And oh my gosh, I loved those teachers. They were just so, so passionate and like very connected with the kids. Like, cause you're not just helping them with language. You're really getting to know their culture, their background, you're building like bonds maybe with their own kind of community and family. And so I love that space so, so much. So that is quite a road and that you kind of came back to, you know, how your parents inspired you. It's oh, funny, no. my mom, she was a nurse and my dad's a social worker. They worked with kids, but like both very difficult jobs. They both wanted me to go into their professions. And I'm like, mom, dad, if I go work as like a nurse in a hospital and see sick and dying children or like putting kids in foster care or going through like you know, the court system with these, these families, like your angels for doing it. I would be crying my eyes out on a regular basis. Like I can't, but I do, I do want to work with kids. So like kind of similar to your story, my parents inspired me to be a mentor, to do something with young people, um, to do something with meaning and purpose. Um, and that's always kind of like stayed with me. But yeah, I love this idea of the second career and you've had so many roles, like so many different roles and especially like the the last part you were talking about, that's really neat to Thank be you. like connecting with so many students around the world. Um, if there's any like stories or specific details of like anything that you, whether that's from like adult ed or even like your time with elementary ed, I think it's always fun to just kind of get that kind of like specific little yeah. look into the the classroom you know it's, <clears throat> as you're speaking I'm thinking I think I left out when I did corporate ESL because mm. when I went into ESL for you know working with K to eight um I kind of wanted to fill the fill the circle if, if meaning of course do all aspects of ESL yeah. so when I was doing con continuing education I I worked with pilots which mm. is crazy international pilots flying wow. out of Teterboro airport and helping them with their language communication. That's so cool. And it's interesting because as I went along on my journey, yes, you know, what, it, what truly is ESL? ESL. Mm -hmm. Okay. People would look at you. Oh, you speak so many languages. And I would say, no, I've picked up many different languages on the way, mm -hmm. but my I'm proficient in English. That's where I'm supporting you. I'm giving mm -hmm. you modalities and 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 pronunciations, uh, you know, exercises and all the different things that go into um, working with someone who has excessively limited English. Whether it's the reading aspect, where it's the pronunciation, where the syllabus, syllable stress, etc. I mean, get into mm -hmm. the, the technical on that, mm -hmm. um, the linguistic aspect. But working with pilots was really cool too because mm -hmm. I was working with these. They were from Colombia and their English was so limited. And if I take a thread from the time that I first was working with these students in the continuing edit, you know, um, what was I at Hackensack? You know, not wasn't Hackensack University, Hackensack uh, 
where the heck was I? The continuing program at Hackensack Continuing Ed, I can't remember what the term, what their name exactly was. It, it didn't matter if I was working with 40 students or when I was teaching grad school at Stevens, everybody has the same vulnerability and mm. everyone wants the same thing to feel comfortable. And mm -hmm. I believe that's, you know, the joke was always like, oh, if you can't speak a language, just speak louder. That means I can really hear you better. And, it, you know, so I think there's so many myths of really what ESL is. I mean, yeah. when I was teaching grad school, it's English as English language communication courses. And that was at a higher level where students would be working on their pronunciation skills and their writing skills and their communication skills. But really, it's all about effective communication. Being mm -hmm. able to communicate effectively, to be able to navigate your life, whatever that might may be, whether if you're in a grad program and you're going on to advanced classes or corporate situations where I still connect to my students with some of the career stuff I'm doing now, or whether you're working with students who have very limited education, who just got to this country, but mm -hmm. they want to they wanna be able to be comfortable. They want to be respected. Mm -hmm. And, you know, so I just want to, you know, put that out there. That's great. Also, That's really cool. Yeah, thank you. And also I worked with students in uh, in my continuing ed uh, at a restaurant. I used to go to a Mexican restaurant and teach English. Oh, that's I mean, so that was, neat. But you're like right there yeah. in the community. Yeah. So I was like doing all these things that maybe people are doing now or not doing now. But I say that my experience is excessively rich, very much mm -hmm. so. Mm -hmm. So- Back to your question yeah. or back to your, you know, about a specific story that um, if you want to repeat that. Yeah. Just like, sometimes I like to ask, like, if there was like a moment or story about it, you don't have to give like specifics about a student, but maybe early on, sometimes there's like really neat kind of experiences. It could be challenging. It could be funny. It could be something that was like an aha moment um, or anything along your journey, you know, in any yeah. of those like teaching kind of positions. Yeah. I think, oh my gosh, there's, I mean, I probably was so many. <laughs> yeah. I, God, I've been in this world since like a dinosaur, like 20 plus years, plus, plus years. I think one of the most challenging, but incredible experiences is when I was at Stevens working as the assistant director, but I taught classes and so forth. I had Two situations. One, one student um, had a, how do I say this? One student I worked with had a speech impediment, which mm -hmm. was excessively challenging because here you are supporting the pronunciation aspect. Yeah. So we were dealing with that aspect. Another, and I'll get to that in a second. And another situation is when um, one of the students I was working with had mental health challenges. Mm -hmm. He was um, from China. He was um, absolutely on the spectrum. I don't think he was classified really in China. Mm. For, you know, that's a whole other story mm. and situation that that really mm. doesn't happen very much. And he mm. sort of went through the system. What, when I say what, go through this, meaning he was very bright. He was, mm -hmm. in, he was going for engineering. And I had him in uh, a few of my classes because I would support other classes besides my own. And um, he had Asperger's mm. and it was tough. Mm -hmm. because again, he was never classified. He was never put into a situation to really mm -hmm. um, support any of that. And yet I wanted to make sure, and you understand this as a teacher, that everybody in the classroom was getting equal time yeah. and equal space. And um, we, we, we laughed a lot, I would say as a group and almost, I wouldn't say we cried, but we felt for him in many situations. And he became 
this incredible human in the classroom mm. because it was as if the students at that time, because of the way I presented the lesson and the way I went about doing things. And clearly I'm not, that's not my expertise mm -hmm. um, in that world, but we did the best we could to move forward with the class and the lesson. But um, the students became mentors with me as I was teaching the student because mm -hmm. he would, you know, of course, someone who has Asperger's, yeah. he would just bully blurt and stuff out or, you know, in a different situation, um, I think it may have been more difficult, maybe let's say for another teacher to handle the situation. Um, but I also had had experience when I was teaching elementary where mm -hmm. I worked in classrooms that were kids were classified. So I kind of mm -hmm. had that a little bit of experience, but as far as, um, you know, a story to say that it enamored me. It mm. touched my heart in so many ways, but also to the fact it wasn't just me. It was my class who became this superpower for him. Oh, so a lot, it was just, wow. it was one of those moments yeah. where, you know, whatever was going on and we had projects and there was papers and all that stuff. Mm -hmm. um, he clearly never felt ostracized because he could have been in that situation. There was probably about 25 kids in that class. Yeah. And he became this, 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 this like spoke person for whatever group he was put into yeah. because I set the situation and the boundaries to make him exceed. And it was amazing. Yeah. That's a great amazing. story. I love that. And it's like, Thank you. when you see someone who could have what is looked at as a challenge, right. And especially if they come from a culture or a system where they don't have services, and so if you don't have the proper like paperwork and services, like the school can't really do anything for you. And that's the magic of a teacher being able to recognize when a student does need something, but you don't have anything on paper to do anything to help that student. But as a community, you could highlight what would be deemed as a challenge as something that's really special about, you know, a, a student. One of my first years teaching in Hawaii, I had a, um, a child that had Asperger's. And because they were in our system and they had the classification, they had uh, the student had a life coach that would go classroom to classroom. But I was kind of fortunate because he loved history. So he really liked coming to my class. Math was a whole nother thing. <laughs> so, uh, but the kids loved him. And they, the same thing, they were so good because when he would show his brilliance in the way he would do it, um, it was just like, it was unique and interesting. And the, and the kids really like, liked listening to the things he had to share. Again, he liked the content of the class. So he would, I mean, he could probably recite the bill of rights and like, you know, the constitution, exactly. right? So exactly. it was like that kind exactly. of thing. But then you see that you see it as a light, you see it as this thing that makes you special and not like, oh, that just makes you other or ostracized. So that's a beautiful story and how students can be the mentors themselves and students can help us as teachers. I mean, it's like, we need it sometimes. Like it's like, I often tell my students, like it's about the culture of this classroom that I am not just fostering. You are all fostering it. I can't do it on my own and I can't just set a tone by myself. You are all here and what you bring to the table is creating the classroom culture and allowing people to feel comfortable, to be themselves, to speak up, to share, to want to ask great questions or be curious. And 
Yeah, that's wonderful. That's a wonderful story. Well, I'm thank sure you. like that's something that will stay with you like forever. Oh my right? God. I mean, I can say his name. It's, his name was Jonathan. I was yeah. trying to, I was like yeah. thinking what was it? And again, you're dealing with adults. Okay. Cause the students mm -hmm. I have, remember this is grad school. So they were probably 22, 23. So, you know, it wasn't, I don't know if I would have had that response if I was sitting in a high school situation okay. or not, but they definitely had the sophistication to be able to like get what I was trying to do to yeah. make this community feel, to give this culture of the classroom where he was very much a part of it. And exactly what you were saying, Jackie, I utilized him to show his strength, mm -hmm. to show the strength mm -hmm. of like what he could bring to the lesson, which was crazy often mm -hmm. because of his mm -hmm. abilities. So um, yeah, it was amazing. So thank you for allowing me to remember that. Yeah. And I was just thinking as you're sharing about like the work you're doing, you know, as you did in ESL, is that being in the language kind of field, did that have something to do with like wanting to become a podcaster and like want to sit down and like talk? Because it's all about communication, right? It's all about you have to have good communication skills if you're going to start a podcast. So <laughs> if you want to kind of talk about maybe your kind of segue from what you were doing, you said about four years ago into like the work you've been doing now and share anything about your podcast too. Yeah. Thank you. I love how you segue that because you're good too, because you're a podcaster. <laughs> um, yeah. Uh, how do I, how do I start this? I believe that everything you do in your life, on your journey, whatever job it is, you just bring that to wherever you're going. I used to say that or say that to my kids all the time. You know, oh, you may think that this experience isn't really gonna, you know, mean much, but it does because it just kind of gives you this this roadmap or these skill sets that you will use at a different time, but maybe in a different capacity. You know, mm -hmm. teaching absolutely. I teach on the podcast. Every guest mm -hmm. that comes on, it's a learning moment. It's a learning situation. I may not know the information. Most of the time I don't, but I will hopefully bring on experts who do yeah. or talk about topics. I, I do collaborations on, I did a men's mental health, which is going to come out mm -hmm. soon. I've done women's mental health matters. I've done sexual assault awareness, whatever I put my mm -hmm. hands in, I'm going to do something with disabilities as well is I have a passion towards that, to be able to bring information forward. And that's the teacher in me, yes, always is. wanting to educate. Yeah. So when I sat down June 10th, 2020, you know, pandemic was crazy. My life was insane. I had just been dealing with vertigo and not sure of where I was going in my life, moved down to South Jersey. There was a lot of transition and change going on with me, but I knew in my heart from coming from the heart, of course, is the, name <laughs> of the podcast that, uh, speaking communication was something that I did obviously pretty, you know, exceptionally that I knew I could do something like this. I interviewed, I had the opportunity to interview hundreds of probably thousands of scholars when I was at Stevens. Wow. Um, and I'll, yeah, I, I'll explain is that the scholars that were coming to the university had to go through my colleague and I for a language assessment, meaning that their language, <clears throat> obviously they need to be speaking English, and if they were speaking whatever they were speaking, had to be effective enough for them to be able to communicate effectively when they came to the United States. But mm -hmm. the funny part of the irony is that often they were coming from India or China or wherever the heck they were, Germany. Germany, of course, was fine. They didn't really need support because their English is probably better than mine, <laughs> is that, um, is that 
the departments, you know, as soon as they got to Stevens or whatever they were doing, they were going to speak whatever they wanted to anyway. But it really, that component of my job was put into place because of 9-11, when at that time, schools, were, meaning institutions, schools, colleges were sort of pulling back and going, okay, we really need to make sure when people are coming from another country, what is their purpose of coming? Why are they going to be here? So it was really through the state or through that, like um, I'm missing the terminology in my brain right now to think exactly what the program was, but it was put forth through, um, like I say, many universities, Stevens took that very seriously where they wanted to make sure mm -hmm. to reiterate that students, grad students, mm -hmm. PhD students, masters, whatever they were coming, were going to be here for a purpose. They were going to be mm -hmm. in the program. And when they were here, they needed to effectively be able to communicate. Mm -hmm. So that mm -hmm. was really what that was about. So because of all that, um, that little component of the job became a larger component of my job mm -hmm. where my colleague and I had to implement along with all the other responsibilities that we were doing as administrators and teaching, et cetera, and interview people from all over the world. Mm -hmm. So it was excessively time consuming a time for us to balance all that, but we sort of figured all that out. And because of that experience, when I left the university and then went off on my own and that, you know, into podcasting, I had that ability to be able to have that and take that skill set with me. And yeah. um, and that really kind of propelled me forward with a lot of the stuff that I was thinking about. or I thought about at the time with the podcast, but I really honestly sat down June 10th, 2020 with absolutely no experience in podcasting, never really listened to podcasts. My daughter was sort of my connection on my informative <laughs> to that. And I just went with it knowing that I had experienced or was experiencing, <clears throat> excuse me, a lot of mental health situation of my own with not even recognizing it. And I just wanted to reach out to people who may also have been going through challenging moments. Mm. And of course, the, you know, the pandemic was going mm -hmm. on and that sort of was the incubation of it to never feel alone and to, and, and to, you know, think about mindfulness, self-care and all the other things that I bring yeah. to the platform. Isn't it so much fun too? I love it. It's so much fun. And you're like, I love this, like these breadcrumbs that like have been on your path to get to what you're doing now. And I, I kind of resonate with that too. Um, I actually was really into listening to podcasts, but kind of my like through line was listening to one particular podcaster on um, Expand It through TBM. And I just loved her voice. And I loved the way she felt so warm when she was connecting with her guests. And she felt like she was so into them. And I'm like, Ooh, I just really like that. Like, I like that space. It just feels so good in my heart. And then I was talking to brokenhearted teachers over the pandemic. And I'm like, wait, we need a space like that. We need to like have a heart space. And there is something super cathartic about podcasting. It's so authentic for the most part. I'm sure there's ones out there that are just like businessy, whatnot. But I have found since doing it since 2022 that I'm listening and finding more and more authentic podcasts. And the the hosts that are interviewing are so genuine and they really, really connect with their guests and they're doing it because they care about highlighting their guests and like sharing their story. And I feel like this is a great media to be, you know, absorbing. Um, I talk about it often with my students. I'm like, I mean, the news is just like, whatever, it's crazy, right? I'm like, get 
get your information from podcasts. Like what you're doing is highlighting these experts in different fields and talking about really important information like mental health. I love that you have one on like men's mental health because I think there's a lack of that um, as a space. And I think just men feeling like we don't have that maybe as much of a support as maybe women do. Um, but I think it's just so real and raw. And when people can sit down and listen to just two people be human, and share some really vulnerable information and maybe also just really important, maybe tips and techniques and tools and whatnot. It's just, it's very healing. It's healing for you as the host and it's healing for the other person and the listeners. I think it's a great space. That's so neat how you came into it and it's been filling you up and it's helped you, you know, yeah. Oh 2020 God. was just so hard. Ah, so hard. Yes. <laughs> I mean, yeah, it, it feels as you know, it fills my cup. It fills my heart. I mean, coming from the heart was really, the name was more between my daughter and I having this moment uh, where I was pretty much at my wits of lowest of low. You couldn't get any lower than that. <clears throat> Trying to navigate every day, having vertigo, not knowing what I was doing or how I was doing it. And I kept saying to her, you know, it's it's coming from my heart. It's my heart. And, um, and that's sort of, she, we both stopped and I go, well, there you go. And that mm. was way before June 10th that we, you know, conceived of coming from the heart podcast. And, you know, um, but I like what you were saying too, about, you know, sh being authentic and sharing stories. And I, you know, I think you as well, absolutely are a story, a story, excuse me, story chaser to mm. share personal triumphs or not so triumphs, you know, that the people that I have come on to the podcast are creators or creators, um, musicians, producers, celebrity people, all different types of voices. But really, it like I say, it doesn't really matter who the heck I'm talking to. It's that I can get to the core, you know, of whatever the common, you know, the conversation is going. Mm -hmm. I think you have the ability to do that as well, to to give people the space but also show, show, excuse me, vulnerability Yeah, where someone would go like, oh my God, you know, I can't believe I, you know, I shared that with you. I, I recently, mm -hmm. I hear that all the time. Yeah. No, because you, yeah, you definitely have that personality as well, Jackie. I mean, a hundred percent. You do I mean, too. Yeah. I feel like that's well, why we vibe you. so well. Oh yeah. And we totally do. Cause people just don't share. People don't just share with whoever you have to right. have that that's something, whatever that's something in your personality. But what I was going to say is I just recently actually, as in yesterday, put out a podcast with this uh, really amazing human, um, Jonathan Bogner. He had a heart mm -hmm. transplant, Jackie. And um, mm -hmm. I found him through a really nice friend of mine, Rena Watts Friedman, who she's been connecting me with some cool people. And uh, what a powerful interview. I mean, I, you know, I'm not here to like plug my podcast because that's not truly what, what I'm no, trying to say. No, that's what this is yeah, about. No, no, <laughs> no, no, I'm not. I'm, but what I'm saying is that he shared stuff with me, you know, and we talked about he got a transplant and the guy, the guy's been through strokes and all these dif different mm -hmm. situations, but his humility and his tenacity is mm -hmm. something that we all should be taking a look at. We all get so caught up in our daily day or whatever's going on. And he had that world until he was in his forties. I think he was 44 or 45, where he had this massive situation happened in his whole life just completely mm -hmm. changed. So, mm -hmm. you know, I think it's, it's, it's to step back and just go, oh yeah, wait a minute. You know, we all say, stay present eh, as present as you possibly can be depending yeah. upon what's going on in your life. So, but, you know, again, it's just, um, 
it's been an honor to, to, first of all, to sit here and talk my story, but it's an honor to be a podcaster because yeah. we clearly know, or I know, you don't go in it for the money. No, <laughs> not at all. Same thing with teaching. Not yet. Not yet. <laughs> not yet. Not yet. Not, not yet. yet. I think that will be changing. Oh my God. I really think it's like the next big, I mean, it's been around for a while, but it is blowing up. Like, I think it it is the next, like the media, like the media people are gravitating towards. And so the money will be there, you know, for that time. But I think people are craving realness. They're craving authenticity. They're craving vulnerability. And we're in, I think, a place in the world where we're coming coming from the heart, like we're needing to be in that heart space. The mind can only go so far and the mind gets us in trouble. So if we don't take, you know, care of our heart and really share these like authentic stories and connections with people and we just get trapped in our ego and our head, that's when we get into trouble, right? So I think that's kind of the new space that we're living in. And I think podcasting is really that essence, that media of the heart. I love your title. It's just perfect. Um, I feel like this could be something that we should be doing like in schools. And that's kind of like my last segue for like the last part is like how you envision what school should be like. I mean, you've been in so many different spaces, but like where we should be going and really giving the best, you know, um, educational experience to our children and adults as well. Yeah. Anything you want to share with that? Yeah. Well, thank you for that. Um, It's funny. Like I said, I just was writing this email to this superintendent um, in Weehawken schools. So if you know anyone who's listening, will know who I'm talking about. Okay. And in my email, I more or less gave my background. I said, Hey, I don't have an updated resume yet. That's in the works, but it's sort of this conversation I wanted to have with him going forward based upon, I gave all my you know experience and my expertise, but really at the end of the email and, it, and, and to your point, what I was saying to him is more or less, how do you utilize, how would you like to utilize my skill set? Mm-hmm. Because you are the superintendent, I've given you my story. Mm-hmm. you know, from A to Z, everything more or less that I've been in. I didn't really mention the retail aspect, but the educational aspect mm-hmm. up until obviously the podcast, my career coaching, more or less what I'm doing. And what he, his background per, per se is about um, giving kindness, thinking about kids' mental health because mm-hmm. of all the different things that kids now, unfortunately, as we were talking on my, my, my excuse me, my podcast about schools, mm-hmm. school shootings and what's going on in the Middle East and all. Mm-hmm. And, and of course the pandemic, these kids have been through hell. So, you know, so if much. he would no, not, if, when he looks at my background, okay, so she's has all these different entities of education and experiences, whether he wants to utilize that to say, okay, well, maybe you could be part of the um, ESL, that aspect as a, uh, you know, um, as a supervisor or, or, and, or, cause I don't want to do this on a full-time capacity. I kind of want to be more of a consultant or bring me in as a mental health advocate as well. So, but with schools, I believe that, uh, you know, your, your, your trajectory is to show schools in a more holistic way. Yeah. And what I was yeah. trying to drive to him is that 
here's my package. I have my master's. I could walk in tomorrow. If, I mean, if you want to hire me, I, I sound so, you know, yes, yeah, of course I could just walk in, but I don't want to pigeonhole myself into a specific job. I've done yeah. all that, that yeah. I did done where I am right now is in a, in a position of, of really consultancy where I mm -hmm. could use my expertise and what I've, what I know to, to make your district or make a situation maybe with your high school seniors or whatever to do, to, to bring them into a different space mm. because we're living in a different type of a world as compared to when I was teaching my elementary as yeah. compared to 10 years ago. So I hope I sort of answered yeah, that no, question. And I think there needs to be more of a support within the school system to create these new roles if they don't already exist. And a lot of schools that I know don't have like a mental health advocate or a mental health consultant that's maybe there to do like professional development for teachers and then be also like another role in the school that's not just like the counselor, but maybe someone who can help with, you know, looking at working with kids on coping mechanisms and like working with teachers to maybe teach some strategies in the classroom to help with kids dealing with stress or anxiety. Maybe looking at the curriculum, looking at the types of assignments we have and thinking, what can we do to alleviate some of this stress? Like we're, we're actually putting a lot on their plate. We're putting a lot on teacher's plate and we're putting a lot on student's plate because there's been this whole, um, I don't know, like push to be like, we have to make up for the three years of loss of the pandemic. I'm like, well, you can't shove three years into one year. <laughs> and wow. how wow. is that doing anything? It's not doing wow. anything because we're wow. shoving in content. We're shoving in what we think is skills. And we're still not talking about mental health. We're still not talking about holistic education, which is kids need to learn how to have some life skills. They need to learn what we're doing right now, communicating. They need interpersonal yeah. skills. Oh they my gosh. Stress, yeah. stress um, coping skills. Like I needed that when I was in school, but if I was a student now. Oh my goodness. I don't even know. I had anxiety when I was in high school. I, I don't even know. With social media, <laughs> I would be like, I'd be like, mom and dad, you need to pull me out of here. I need to be like homeschool or I need to go on like, you know, online. I, I, I don't think- <laughs> I could handle all of it because um, I'm a very sensitive person. I love you're I so very much my emotions. <laughs> I, um, I'm, I'm taking notes on what you're saying. Yeah, but I I'm think like, this oh, is needed. Oh, this is I good. Think it is. This is good. <laughs> you we know what? Need Jackie, to create new roles. Oh we should just God. create new roles for schools. <laughs> Let's we could do. do this. I'm gonna. <laughs> I'm bringing you to the. I'll be like, well, can you hold on for a second? I want to just you know <laughs> conference in Jackie for a moment because um, <laughs> she can kind of elaborate on what I'm talking about. You know why? More so because you're in this trench world. I'm, mm. I was in that trench world and you don't ever forget the trenches because right. God knows it does something to your mental health when you're <laughs> in it for so long. When I was in the elementary, middle school, and then of course the college institution world, which is yeah. a completely different world. It's a corporation of making mm. money. Clearly uh, it's not about the kids, right. like, let's, let's call it what that situation is. You know, that's all about money, 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 money. Um, mm -hmm. And that really, it's sad to say that's a lot of, you know, I use the word trajectory of the vision of a lot of this. It's, it's, it's money. Yeah. I mean, and yeah. education, I'm sorry, is second. I mean, is. The money really is first. I mean, there's situations now that happened at different universities where mm -hmm. certain administrators are no longer going to be part of that 
situation any longer and how, you know, sometimes you need to take care of the student body and the community and the money does come later in a lot of situations. But I like what you were saying about um, the communicative aspect, because mm-hmm. I'm going to use that. I'm using that in my interview if I have to not. Yeah. Use it. <laughs> communicative, because when I was teaching communication classes, I would say, oh my God, this is not just for my international students. Everybody oh. in the university should be coming to my class for because, sure. you know, phones were in a basket or were not allowed to be turned on and we needed to effectively learn how to communicate. And yeah. They don't know how to do it. Adults don't know how to do it. Kids don't know how to do it. Um, Interpersonal skills are so needed. And then what happens, as you know, we've spoken in this, in my pod, is that they go for the interview or they go for a job and then they don't get it or they're on a Zoom and they're like, you know, looking at the ceiling (laughs) instead of obviously the camera. I'll I'll share this with you. Talk about stories. Mm -hmm. I had a very, how do I say this? Influential person come on. I would say she's celebrity like, but she thinks she's celebrity like. She's a date <laughs> in the dating coach world. Okay. I won't say her name. And this was about two plus years ago. And the entire time she's a millennial. Okay. So I'm not insulting all of them. And uh she little she never looked at me once. The entire oh, weird. Time. she was on her laptop the entire, entire time. So, you know, in I an like, interview for a podcast. In an, in an interview. In an interview. So I was like, okay, you know, hello, basic, how do you do this? Basic communication skills. We, we in the Western culture, I would say this to my students from day one, I don't care where the hell I was teaching. We like to be, have that eye contact. And there's a lot of countries, China or India. We're talking all different situations. You know, it's, it's to be subservient. It's, but we're talking Western culture. You better start having that. Mm-hmm. And, um, and that's a skill set, but, but, but back, yeah, but back to the high school or back to, you know, this, this, this conversation, hopefully I'll have with the superintendent is to really, um, drive home or dive in whatever word we want to use the holistic aspect of education, the interpersonal skills, and how do we create something of newness for these mm-hmm. kids that are in a brand new world that we don't even know exactly how to even interface with them because we don't know what to do either because we're in that same world and they're exactly. in a situation to, to be educated. And yeah. like you were saying about, you know, social media and all this other stuff. Um, it's just, it's really a disaster out there. Yeah. And they've gone through so much. The world is different. I mean, we have to just be um, cognizant that it's different. You're not going back to 2019. No. You can't. You can't just say, "Oh, the new normal is just going back to 2019." Well, it's it's not. Things have changed, and for some things, it's it's changed for the better because I think it's allowing us to have this conversation that we can't do this old system of school right. anymore, where it's right. just about right. content. It's just about mm-hmm. go to five, six subject classes, and then maybe yeah, you have a PE, you have an art. You have some schools have like the home ec or the life skills. You know, my school, we don't even have really, we just have a life skills minor, which we just started this year, which the kids were really excited about. But that I think like at least half of the curriculum yes. should be that. Like absolutely. half of the curriculum should be life skills, absolutely. interpersonal skills, mental oh, health. Oh yeah. Overall, how you are a functioning human. There, there you go. There's half of it. And then you work in 
a couple of content areas that Absolutely. are key to have. Oh, yeah. Oh, and yeah. that's, this isn't rocket science. This isn't hard to do, but I think it's going to take having more of these conversations. And that's what I'm trying to do on this space and right. talking to more people. And now yes. you're giving me an idea of now, maybe I should be bold and go and go to schools and say, Hey, I have, I have an idea for like a new way of like looking at the schedule and a new way of looking at how we can do this like 50, 50, right? 50 mm -hmm, life skills, mm -hmm. hoping in 21st century learning real time exactly, right here. Exactly. And exactly. then 50 okay, we got your subject contents that we're not going to like. Yeah, totally of course. Off, right? well, you know? Yeah. I mean, core content is core content. Yeah. You know, languages and English, you know, learning and writing and, but the yes. communication aspect is the English part. You can sort of weave these things you in, you know, to mental health and communication skills and, you know, mm -hmm. analytics or analytics and computers are excessively important and it's life skills actually really to understand the, right. you know, the technology world, because that's the world that we're all living in. Quite frankly, these kids are so far educated in that just based on oh, the yeah. fact that they're living that. And I always say I'm the alien, but they're not like they're living this, you know? Yeah. So, but it's, it's to rethink, but I think part of the issue is, is the stagnant aspect of many school districts, which are so jaded or archaic mm. in wanting mm. to be open to this because at the end of the day we always like we were saying earlier it's money it's funding it's what you know parents you know are going to approve of or not you know you yeah. have to it's different types of schooling that would be more interested in in it um and 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 that's really it and it really kind of i think goes across the board from you know we talked about private schools or public schools mm -hmm. Um, or micro schools, I think you were talking mm -hmm. about la last time, um, where that may be more openness of discussion in yeah. the micro school because it's homeschool. But I think that they're incredible ideas. And what I'm focusing on is when you were saying about shoving in the content for the like for what are you, three years. Like, what are you, like how is that? Is that something that they really think that is I feel possible? like, especially in like elementary, lower school, really? um, where they feel like they've lost a lot of time, especially I would say areas that maybe were virtual for so long. Like we weren't okay. virtual that long, but like there were lots of schools across the country that were virtual for like a year yeah. and a half, right? Yeah, Even into right. two years. And I think yeah, they, sure. they think they lost a lot and they're not focusing on the, also the loss of these skills we're talking about. Wow. So it's like, wow. we should prioritize that and not necessarily wow. maybe the subject areas or yeah. yes, you got to maybe like do maybe a little bit more reading intervention for those kids that might've lost that or whatnot. But I, I think we're still, a lot of the public schools focus on standardized testing. Well, Get that, yeah, that out of the, yeah, yeah, that yeah. needs to go. Yeah, yeah, the stand, <laughs> yeah, exactly. The standardized testing. And I remember when I used to write my horrible lesson plans that I absolutely despised and hated and cut and paste, pasted everything is that, uh, let's, that's the reality. Uh, you guys can't fire me now. Cause I'm long gone, but, uh, you know, for doing that, but everybody does. But my point is that there's so much wasted space and wasted, wasted. time and wasted creative moments of, of duplication mm, of all that. Wasted creative moments. Oh yeah. Yeah. So wasted creative moments to really think about what do these kids need? What are they going yeah. to do to survive? They know that suicide, I mean, that's something that I also, you know, through the state of New Jersey, I'm suicide, suicide ideation trained mm. and, and trainer to be, you know, these kids are, so many of them are at risk. 
So many mm-hmm. situations are, it, and it doesn't matter the socioeconomic, it's everywhere. Suicide mm-hmm. is in all situations. It, it crosses every possible border. And mm-hmm. the point is that if you are not addressing the true needs of these kids, then what's going to happen? You know, mm-hmm. I mean, honestly, I, I love what you were saying in regards to maybe what I'm possibly going to get into is to give professional development. I think that mm-hmm. schools are always wanting, you know, I mean, I think teachers after a while are like, oh God, another professional <laughs> development day, let me kill myself, but, but really bring in, you know, if I could be the valuable yeah, to bring in something that you're absolutely going to, to use, to utilize yes. information, to be like, okay, you're dealing with these kids that God need, they need help. Mm-hmm. And how are we going to help them? But um, I think there's so many between the curriculum standards and mm-hmm. all the stuff that's mandated from the state of New Jersey that you mm-hmm. have to have. And you're constantly running on this treadmill, if I remember mm-hmm. correctly, to get it all done. Yeah. So, yes. yeah. Yeah. Well, we're going to keep fighting the good fight, I think, um, as a, a duo here. We got some really great ideas. And so you, I love that. You've been on this podcast. I've been on your podcast and we both are in New Jersey. So this is just like, it's just meant to be. This is awesome. Can you um, share your information with our listeners on how they could find you and your podcast? And I'll plug all that in the show notes. Thank you. Thank you, Jackie. Again, I love you. So happy we met on LinkedIn (laughs) as I was scrolling by. I'm happy to have connected with you on mine as well as on yours. You guys can find me at get ready on Instagram. It's coming underscore from the heart podcast. And you, that's probably the most, I say that's the best way to get me. I'm on TikTok, LinkedIn, YouTube, all the socials. Let's see. Uh, coming from the heart podcast at gmail.com. If you go to Instagram, you will see all the information and you guys can come and say hi to me and DM me whenever you'd like. I love it. That's great. You're everywhere. Thank you so much. I always feel like so filled up after our conversations. Like I'm just like beaming with energy. This is oh, thank you. So fun. Thank you. So You're fun. awesome. Thank you so much for having me. And You're welcome. thanks everybody for listening. And uh, just good luck to everybody on their journey of whatever that might be. Thank you. Have a good one. Thanks, Jackie. Thank you for listening to The Teacher's Story. If you like this story, please subscribe and leave a review. You can also follow this podcast on YouTube and subscribe and leave a comment. All reviews help this podcast keep going and elevating teacher voices.